When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Captaincy BOM podcast from Fantasy Football Scout. It's a full set of fixtures to look forward to and once again an array of interesting captaincy candidates to choose from. My name is Joe and joining me to find the best captaincy options for game week 34 is David. David, how are you? Yeah, well, um, you've caught me in uh, quite excellent uh, uh, spirits and would I be feeling this way if it wasn't for Chris Wood? Perhaps no. not. Um, no. Incredible, incredible week. So well, we both talked him up last week, didn't I mean, we, as a, we, as a sort of a jovial outside bet for the captaincy. Um, but 20 points. And the thing is, um, a few people were quite shocked to see him, you know, do so well. I mean, I, I wouldn't have predicted him to get 20 points, of course. But, um, you know, the, 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 I'm, we're not surprised, are we, Joe, that he no. did well because, of course, his stats have been incredible over a prolonged period. Yeah. Uh, Wolves' defence had not been particularly mm. impressive when they played anyone who wasn't in the bottom two. Um, so it was a, it was a perfect marriage, really. Um, in terms of the captaincy itself, yeah, I like you. I went for Ian Acho yeah. uh, for sort of similar reasons. Another differential. I didn't even know yeah. that was going to be a differential. Yeah, I mean, it made a huge difference, huge difference. And um, we, we we were comparing him with Salah, weren't we? And we we, yeah. we looked at the the last six and last four. We could see that Ian Acho was getting more shots than Salah, uh, more big chances than Salah, but crucially, considerably more shots on target yeah. than him. So he was clearly the better option on paper if you just ignore the opposition and then of course if you look at the opposition as well Crystal Palace's defence had been conceding more chances bigger chances worse XGC than Newcastle so on paper you know take away ownership and and backing and the captaincy and actually just was what we felt was the best captaincy option and uh, it's come through and it's it's really nice you know in a season that's been unpredictable stats wise often and you know a lot of low moments and dull moments for us to uh to go big on some guys last week and uh, them to both get, you know, well, 20 points each because we both will go up with Captain yeah. Dianacho is, uh, yeah, really encouraging and gives us um, a good platform to go forward and have a yeah. look at who's the best captain for this it, one. It's a nice thing because we, we reel off lots of stats each week and for some people might go, well, why are they doing that? Why, why bother with XG? Why bother with shots on target? It shouldn't matter what they do on the pitch. Well, we're trying to predict and, and it's so satisfying when... Um, the stats come out into fruition into actual FPL points which is what what it's all about really and it's very frustrating when that doesn't happen and I remember many times in previous seasons uh, Ibrahimovic at Manchester United I remember his goal um, drought despite good good uh, underlying stats was so frustrating (laughs) but um, yeah Chris Wood comes good Um, let's move on to game week 34 captaincy 
Um, so Spurs are back in the mix, but we're not going to start with them first. Um, I think we should start with Leicester assets against Southampton. That is not to say we don't think Spurs assets are going to be great options. Um, but I just wanted to start um, with them because Ian Acho has been our, the informed striker at the moment. And once again, he's against a very leaky defence. So, yeah, Leicester, I put the last four stats up on uh, the last four weeks um, stats up on the screen. Um, just, just to help, really, just to show Ian Acho's um, expected goal involvement is shots, high shots on target, high shots inside the box, and indeed high amount of goals, really. And it shows that Tielemans is still the chances created guy, and Vardy. Well, this they say Vardy is having some shots, but he's not quite Ian Acho's league. So Ian Acho is my current bus captain. Is he yours as well? Um, he he is at the moment, and that's only because I actually sold Harry Kane yeah. to get to Vardy. Now that's not me saying that I will definitely switch to Harry Kane, but um, when it was bus captain time, it was a little bit easier for me to just put that armband on Ian Acho. And as you said, Ian Acho is um, yeah, unbe- unbelievable form that he's in. And um, what makes him really nice for people like me and you, Joe, who enjoy the stats, yeah. is that he's not a stats buster. He's just a stats guy. Like he he delivers on them. Which is really handy because, which in my opinion, uh, shows that there's sustainability there because he's he's able to keep this up over a long period of time. Um, I've I've always um, said uh, that I, my 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 three favourite stats uh, for assessing someone's captaincy ability uh, related to the goals they I think they can score are shots in the box, big chances, and shots on target because that way you're assessing the volume of their shots, the quality of their shots, yeah. and the accuracy of their shots because the three of those combined, if they all marry up. That's a good player. Um, and obviously the XG is very high uh, for Ian Acho, higher than Vardy as well, even though obviously Vardy is mm. the penalty taker. Um, so that means that Ian Acho really is having a right go, mm. which is great. Um, in terms of the raw numbers uh, compared to the rest of the league, um, you know, 16 shots in the last six in the box for Ian Acho, wow. which is uh, joint third best in the league. Um, but it gets better as we go along as other stats. Seven big chances, which is the joint best. Uh, up there with uh, Chris Wood, let's not forget. Yeah. Um, and then for sh- for shots on target, he's uh, he's twelve, which is second best uh, behind only um, you know the one and only Chris Wood. So um, in all of those stats, he's right up there um, in in compared to other players in the Premier League. And I always say, if you've got a player up this end of those stats, because uh, Kane's up there as well, and we'll talk about mm-hmm. him in a little bit. Yeah. Salah is up there for some of those stats, not all of them. You know, the point is, is that he's behaving like a premium player. Yeah. in the way that he is operating on the pitch right now. And I can't see any reason why that would that would hold up, especially with the fact that Leicester, they, they know what happened last year. You know, they've, they, it's been kind of like the elephant in the room for them, apparently, according to the manager, for a lot of um, the season, in, but in a good way, in the sense that it really, really has been motivating them to absolutely make sure they don't slip up again this season. And you saw against Crystal Palace that the mentality there is yeah. is a good one because they it could have been easy... At this stage of the season, people are tired and, you know, you're running out of time to make things count. And you do still have a sort of a cushion to just let that game wash over you, you know, being 1-0 down, that is, uh, at half-time. And Crystal Palace, I think, had not lost an away match that they'd led at half-time in something like two years. So what Leicester achieved there was they managed to get a team that typically, when it scores first away from home, wins to not roll over, but concede and concede mm. twice and lose the game and that is impressive to me from a mentality point of view because this is the type of this is the time of the season isn't it when we do have to think about motivation mm. um as for Southampton 
yeah, I, I, I think they're, they're a team that I think have got steadily worse in the last six weeks because um, I've just I've been comparing defences between last six matches with last two. Um, so in the last six matches, their expected goals conceded was 10.05, which was the eighth worst in the league, which normally when someone's hanging around there, I'm sort of a little bit um and ah, and especially when we consider the Spurs playing Sheffield United. Sheffield United are actually bottom of the league over the last six for expected goals conceded. So a Palace... You know, you've got Spurs and Man City playing those two teams. So over the last six, uh, Southampton don't look as bad a defence as those. But um, when we look at last uh, two matches, um, is, is a, there's a bigger difference. Now, Southampton crawl a lot closer to the bottom end of the table. Their XGC over the last two matches is 4.41. That's the fourth worst in the league. Uh, Palace, West Ham and West Brom are the teams that are worse than them there. And I think the thing with me... Um, about why that is, I would consider that particularly worrying for Southampton mm. and then therefore also encouraging for Leicester is that um, the teams they've played over that period are teams that historically haven't shown too um, too much of an, like an affinity for XG. Mm. It was Spurs, who, as we know, their, their team's XG over the season hasn't been as good as you'd expect in West Brom. So um, I, I think there's, I can't really see Southampton um, getting a clean sheet here. No. Um and because of Iheanacho's form, like, I can't really see a blank either. So from him, I think very quickly, he's gone from being the explosive alternative yeah. to being like the safe automatic captain, which is still good. But of course, we do need to compare him with, uh, you know, uh, Spurs Sheffield United in the Man City game as well. But he's right up there in the conversation, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is one of those weeks where the narrative is um, a lot of people have Leicester assets. A lot of people have Spurs assets. Spurs are against Sheffield United. Leicester against Southampton. Two attacking teams on paper against two leaky defences. So it's probably going to come down to Iheanacho and Vardy captainers versus Son, Bale or, or Kane captainers, mainly Kane captainers. So I think that's maybe what the narrative we're looking at for the captaincy this week. But of course, there are other options as well. So let's have a look at those worst defences uh, last four. Um, so you mentioned last six and last two. So let's have a look sort of in the middle, last four. And that shows indeed that Crystal Palace are still uh, the worst. They've conceded um, 14 big chances. And then you've got West Brom, Newcastle, Tottenham themselves, West Ham's defence, poor. Burnley, they've turned into the attacking side rather than a defensive side. And then Southampton and then Sheffield. So this is the bit I'm looking at, really. So Southampton have conceded 11 big chances. They've conceded nine goals. Um, and they've mar- been marginally unfortunate, if you look at it that uh, XG that way, because their XG is under seven uh, goals conceded. Um, and in terms of Sheffield United, well, they've been marginally perhaps lucky to only concede six goals. Um, they've... Big chances conceded has been 10 in the last four, um, but it's 7.31 XG conceded. So well over seven goals they should have scored. Uh, they should have conceded rather. So, um, yeah, I mean, are you, are you getting... Because that's what we're looking at, Spurs v Leicester assets for the captaincy. Are you getting an inkling that Sheffield United's defence is perhaps improving or are they still awful? <laughs> well, I mean, I think in a way, because of how bad they've been, they could still be improving and awful mm. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're coming from a low base, which I think we have to remember. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, I do have more of a kind of uh, worry at the back of my mind with Sheffield United, I think, than I do with, with Southampton. Um, mm. As you said, they're kind of in a similar part of the table. Yeah. But actually, um, 
yeah, some of the teams they've played over the last four matches are teams that have actually, um, I don't know, I'm just, so they played Brighton, Wolves, mm. Arsenal and Leeds and I kind of would have expected them to be a lot worse on that XGC table, really. Because mm. um, even though Brighton don't score very many, their XG is normally quite yeah. high. Yeah. Um, you know, Arsenal uh, um, as well, uh, you know, I would have expected them to be a team that could uh, achieve a high XG against them. Leeds, as we know, an attacking side generally. Wolves, less so. But yeah, basically, Sheffield United just aren't doing as badly as I expected them. Mm. And I think some people have kind of pointed to the fact that now they've been relegated, it wouldn't be the first team to achieve some freedom Mm. from that. You know, once the fear of relegation is gone and they're just preparing for next season. And to be perfectly honest, that team is probably going to stay as it is. Like, I can't really yeah. imagine anyone's going to come in and it's buy it. It's already a championship quality side, so yeah. <laughs> job well, done. It, it, yeah, the, the, the point is that that team, I can't see it getting broken up. Mm. I can't see anyone coming in and taking any of those players away. Um, I mean, the defenders have been pretty good, like Basham, O'Connell and, and Egan, but they spent a large portion of the season injured, so they haven't had a chance to kind of remind yeah. any suitors that they're worth buying. So I think there's a lot of, you know, reason for them to kind of like really give these games a go. So yeah, that that is at the back of my mind. And it just, it just, it's a slight doubt. And and it's, it's a rational, it's slightly irrational in a way because it's Sheffield United, right? Like they, yeah. like they've been so bad all year. And if you look at um, away games this season, they've conceded 31 goals in 16 away mm-hmm. games. And that is the uh, joint uh, second worst behind only uh, Southampton. Well, of course, Southampton oh. are, um, at home this week so you know discount them I suppose so so they, they're away from home they are terrible you know yeah. they, they've got four points on the road all season which is dreadful it's seven worse than um, seven below the second worst for that stat so you know I'm not going to sit here and say I think Sheffield United are going to go win this game I don't even think they're going to draw it I think Spurs will win they've got a point to prove after the cup final the, the, the problem is it's Kane yeah you know what he's like <laughs> and the thing is I mean his own personal stats, if you're happy for us to, to, to yeah. move on to that. Well, this, this, these um, are, once again, last four stats up here for, for Kane, and it shows, yeah, six big chances. He's top, top of the tree by, by miles. Yeah, in exactly. So, he, so if Spurs get anything, which they should, it's going to come through him. I mean, he's a penalty taker as well. So even if we just ignored the fact that he's fantastic from open play, that's going to play into it as well. And then if you compare him again, if we just look at him compared to the rest of the league, and I'm, I'm going last six here. Uh, but it's usually, uh, I, I think, you know, he's I, he's sustained his form. So I think if you look at last six, last four, last two, comparing him to the likes of Ian Acho and the others, I think it's still going to be kind of fairly similar. So last six then, um, well, I mean, I'm just going to compare him with Ian Acho, to be honest, because mm-hmm. that's what people really want to hear. Um, they've both had the same number of shots in the box, 16. Yeah. yeah. They've both had the same number of big chances, seven. Uh, and then the only thing that you can really separate them on for goal threat is shots on target, 12 for Ian Acho, 11 for Kane. But when there's only a one shot difference, you know, you know, we see that as much of a muchness. They're both really. great options for the, the armband, yeah. basically, is what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. And they both have some, they have some creative potential as well, but basically because they're playing um, in a team where they have a good partnership with someone else. Mm-hmm. So Son and Kane have one. So, you know, Kane's created two big chances um, and then Ian Acho is playing with Vardy, so he's he's created four big chances. So they both they both have assist potential too. So it is tough because um, yeah, they they, they both uh, for in terms of form players, in terms of their own statistical form, are basically on a par with each other. Um, and then the thing with what may separate it may be the defenses. And I just don't know how much of a of a purchase I can kind of get on what to expect from Sheffield United. Whereas I feel like. 
I would find it easier predicting Southampton to roll over yeah. than I would predict Sheffield United. But as I said, that's just my personal opinion. I, I, I don't think that people should take it as gospel. No. Um, and that, but by the way, that's before we even get into like yeah. effective ownership. Who, how many people are going to captain K? Yeah. Because they will just do it. We have to start so, strategic. So, so for example, um, last week for the captaincy, we both went for Ian Acho. We we both, you know, in a similar position in our league. So obviously, we with Chris Wood as well. We've we've moved up. We've made that jump. Um, now I'm starting to think. Well, I want to consolidate that, and perhaps the best way strategically for me to spend a week consolidating that is just to go for the very good captaincy option of Kane and his effective ownership just cover that and um, if Ian actually does well great as well Kane does well great and there you go because there is that obviously in the back of your mind that small risk have I got it wrong do I need that differential so it's going to depend on your league position really and yeah. your mini league position so that's what happens towards the end of the season so I find with the captaincy there are, there are good times to be different yeah, um, you have to get it right. Like yeah. if you if you get it wrong, if you go against the grain and the grain uh, is not making a mistake, yeah. then you you do set yourself up for a punishment. We've gone for Ian Acho because we we genuinely felt mm. with very clear and what we felt obvious reasons that he that Ian Acho yeah. was in better statistical form yes. than the popular candidate Salah. Yeah. We felt the defence he was going to face was worse than the defence the popular yeah. candidate was going to face. Yes. And because, uh, I mean, I own Salah, so I felt protected against the captaincy. And because uh, his effective ownership wasn't quite as massive, because, you know, he's convinced enough people to sell him, for example, it's kind of less scary. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Sometimes there are weeks where if you make, let's say you fancy the second most popular candidate, mm. but, the, but the popular candidate is still flipping amazing. Yeah. Then maybe that is the week just to play it safe, especially. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm actually the same as you, Joe. I was thinking I've made a big leap this week. I want to try and, um, you know, consolidate my position. I don't want to lose in my that. Main leagues I mean, and, that, uh, that's the worst feeling, isn't it? You, you have a great game week. And then the next week you have a bad one and it's all gone. Yeah. <laughs> just back to You've got to make it one. count. Yeah. It's not a great game week. It's only a great game week if you can have the great game week and then have a one afterwards just to keep you in that place rather than like bungee jump. <laughs> um, let's move on because let's just go back to those worst defences. Once again, Palace, uh, the worst, which is why one of the many reasons we went for Iheanacho last week. Um, let's move on to City. So City play Palace next. Um now we have a problem with City. <laughs> they're rather good. Uh, they've just come off the back of a, a cup final victory. Um, there's a lot of a lot of um, cup games to go for them, and they've got the league sewn up. You would you would you would think so. Will Palace be their priority? Um, that's the tricky one. Is who's going to play? So once again, last four matches stats up on the screen, and it shows that if. All the players we want to play, play. De Bruyne is a great captaincy shout this week. 13 chances created last four, 13 goal attempts. Um, and he's at minutes per goal attempt in the box every 42.5 minutes. And he's had six shots on target, not too shabby. Mares as well, 13 shots he's had. Sterling, 12 shots. Gundogan, nine chances created, eight shots, all for 5.8 million. Um, so these are the players you want to play. But will they play? And is it a priority? Um, and I actually think in this game, Torres, with his eight shots, his likelihood that he'll play, as he is in the B team of Man City, could be a good shout. 
for the captaincy. That's my Chris Wood moment there <laughs> for Torres. But yeah, what do you think? City, is it just simply too risky with rotation? Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> I th- yeah, you, the, the PSG game is clearly so much bigger. Yeah. Um, the, the gap that they have over Man United in the league, because United drew with Leeds, has massively helped them. If United had beaten Leeds, then they would have been eight points off, which is not insurmountable. Hmm. Um Especially if City are prioritising other competitions, you know, I, I I felt if United won that, we're on the outside chance of a title race once again. But yeah, I, I can't see it happening now. Um, Palace, I think they can beat with the B team, no problem. Mm. Um, I was I was impressed with the way that Palace actually set up against uh, Leicester in the first sort of mm. fifty minutes on Monday night. I didn't see that coming at all um, because you know they're on the beach, really. I think as well wherever they're allowed to go with the COVID restrictions. They're in, the, they're in the, the end of their garden, which is basically as far as you can go for your holiday at the moment. Really. Um, but, you know, still the same sort of concept. Um, so I was impressed that they were able to set up them in a quite organised fashion. So I think they will, they will try and do that again um, against, uh, against City. And what's really interesting, actually, is that what I felt they did really well against Leicester was that they, they crowded the middle um, so much so that they, um, Ian Acho was outnumbered. Uh, Ian Acho and Vardy are outnumbered by um, sort of the two banks of four playing very centrally, but um, also meant that Madison was crowded out as well because they were play- Leicester were playing a, a three-four-one-two, so it meant that the central midfielders um, for Leicester um, were kind of there was a gap between them and Madison, so he didn't have as much support, so it was easier to crowd him out. And basically, the way that they crowded that middle, just everybody was outnumbered, and it meant that even when you had the fullbacks having the opportunity to get on the ball, um, they couldn't really find anyone because their options were all limited. Now, I was listening to um, a bit of analysis on the um, on the EFL Cup final from Jamie Carragher in the build-up to that, where he was talking about the um, teams that crowd the middle tend to do better against Man City Ooh. because they are a similar team that operate through the middle. And if you're going to, they're a team that because they don't really have that much height and they, they're, they're built around intricate passes through the middle um, to get to their relatively shorter um, players who are better with their feet okay. uh, in the middle. If you can, if you can cut off the supply lines through the middle and allow them to try and put balls in mm. from wide areas, it doesn't work because they're a team that isn't really built around crosses into the box. Um, as much, you know, um, and he was saying there was stats to say that the games that they've lost are games when they've been forced to play more balls from out wide. So if if Palace go with the exact same setup they did against Leicester, and if they do that against Man City, now I'm not saying they're going to win the game. I'm not even saying they're going to draw the game, but there's a possibility that they can frustrate Man City's style. And we have actually seen Palace do that a few times We've in the last it. number of years. Yeah, um, Andros Townsend won the yeah. goal. I remember against yeah. City. Well. And they've got players for the counter-attack mm. as well. So th- that's how they'll set up. They, they know that Zaha and Eze and Ayu um, can can ask questions of that City defence if they can spring out at just the right mm. moment. So, um, yeah, for this particular game, I wouldn't be too confident that Man City would smash them because okay. especially if they're going to have to go there with their B team, which looks likely. Okay. Then just bringing it back round to Kane and Ian Acho, obviously already mm. top of our kind of yeah. candidate, candidate list. Minutes per expected goal involvement last six. Kane is top. Ian Acho second, the best Man City player for that, and because this obviously negates minutes played because it's minutes per expected yeah. goal moment, um, is Jesus, who is 12th. Uh, so th- there is no Man City player that, um, uh, ignoring how often he started, is really even close to um, sort of like form points potential from an individual, you know, forget opposition here. There's no Man City player that comes even close to Kane and, Kane and Ian Acho. So, okay. 
yeah, I'm not considering a Man City player this week. Okay. Well, let's let's see if we can get another one uh, going here. So, Chelsea. Um, now another team doing rather well uh, in cups competitions. Um, but um, yeah, looking at Chelsea against Fulham. Now Fulham, another. Um, well, let's have a look at their defence because I, I, in my head they're a poor defence. Let's have a look. Fulham, where are they? Uh, last four. Um, they're actually a middling defence. So they've uh, conceded eight big chances. Uh, they've conceded seven goals. And they've been marginally unlucky because their expected goals conceded is, is under six, um, actually. So they're, they're not doing too badly um, there in Fulham. So they should concede, but they might not concede a hatful, seems to be Fulham. So Chelsea assets last four. Mount looks has got the highest expected goal involvement. Pulisic, if he plays... Werner, if he plays, is in form. Havertz, if he plays. Alonso, if he plays. All of these could score. But I keep saying, if he plays. So, yeah. once again, is it a case that he just can't compete with Kane and Iheanacho this week? Yeah, I think so. I mean, as I said, Kane and Iheanacho are, you know, top of the pile for, for their own form. And the thing with Chelsea is that they are increasingly becoming like Man City mm-hmm. in that um, you can't, you just cannot rely on certain players to play there is more onus for them to be involved in the Premier League obviously because you know their um, place uh, in the Premier League table is, is far from from certain and you know they could win the Champions League but of course you can't mm-hmm. bank on it so they are going to have to try and spread their best team um, over those the, the Real Madrid game uh, and the and the Fulham game but I still kind of feel like the Chelsea B team or it's probably not really the B. He doesn't really have a B team. He has like an A and a half team, yeah. really. Um, I still feel that team can beat can beat Fulham. Mm. Um, but at the same time, yeah, like I don't know who's going to play and I, I don't know who's going to do well. And of course, the other thing is that Fulham, as you said, a middling defence. They are a kind of team that are capable of shutting out a big team. They're also a team that's capable of getting beat 3-0. They're a team that's capable of spending 85 minutes shutting out a big team yeah. and losing 2-0 um, with some late mistakes. So... I just I never really know what I, I'm going to get from Fulham. I never really know what I'm going to get from the Chelsea lineup. So, yeah. no. Yeah. I mean, if if I was to go there, which I'm not, uh, because of all the reasons you've just mentioned, uh, it would be Mason Mount with eight chances created, uh, last four, um, seven shots in the box, six of those on target, very accurate when he's shooting inside the box. He had 15 shots, so he's just shooting everywhere he can. Um, and then this this adds to it as well. So he's a midfielder. He's got 17 crosses, so there is the assist potential there. So he's got a bit of everything. Um, just that slow accumulation of points. Like we used to see with De Bruyne, um, you know, he would get an assist, you get a bonus, you would get, you know, maybe a goal or two. Um, so for me, it would be Mason Mount would be the one. But as you said, it's just the third rotation and you never know what you're going to get with Fulham. Um so looking at those fixtures, um, see who else we could go for. I mean, I think we've got our, our minds set really on a Spurs or Leicester asset in actual Kane. Um, but there are there are other options. Um, and of course, Chris Wood um, <laughs> Here he is again. on form. He's against West Ham. And going back to those worst defences, West Ham are pretty poor at the moment. 11 big chances conceded. Um, I'm actually thinking of getting rid of Chris Wood this week. This will make you laugh. Ooh. I know. Um, where everyone's... Now thinking of trying to get Chris Wood in, but it's, I've got to think: Do I think Kane or Chris Wood are better? I have two free transfers. No, I see. So, right, yeah, yeah. Kane, is Chris is Chris Wood Kane quality? Um, maybe well, he is. Maybe he is. Um, I tell you what, Joe. Something I learned from you many years ago was that if you feel like a player is going to smash it this week, or at least do well, or get yeah, something, yeah. 
then then I wouldn't sell him. Uh, now I know it's hard to say yeah. because you you need you perhaps need to sell him to get to to Kane. Whereas I only would need to sell Vardy, and I feel that's actually easier yeah. because I don't really think Vardy's well, I could, got I could that sell Vardy as well. But um. yeah, but the thing with Chris Wood is, well, I mean, we we've already touched on his mm. form. I'll just I'll just do it again because I like talking about Chris Wood. Obviously, okay. um, you know, last six matches he's he's second best in the whole league for shots in the box. He's joint top for big chances mm. and no player has had more shots on target than him. So he is quite literally the form player in the yeah. Premier League in terms of stats. So um, I'd be mad to sell him against, yeah, I mean, against well, Leaky West Ham. Yeah. I, try, I try not to be you know, too partisan with uh, how I describe other people, but I, cu- I couldn't do it. Personally, I couldn't do it. But the other thing is West Ham. I do want to talk about them because I think um, people keep... I've seen people saying they don't want to sign Chris Wood because he's got tough fixtures, but I don't think West Ham is a tough fixture mm. for, the attack- for attackers playing them it's a tough fixture for Pope it's a tough fixture yeah. for Tarkowski and me but it isn't for Wood and Vidra and all that because since they lost Declan Rice they have just been absolutely shelling goals and so in the last five matches they conceded 11 goals and I think um, Rice was only missing for one of those so the majority of those have come when he's not there but arguably it's got worse since they got an injury to Cresswell and they got an injury to Masuaki now I covered this last week on last week's captaincy video but I will mention it again um they they really are not the same team without Cresswell. He's almost as important to the way they move the ball oh. as say Tierney would be for Arsenal because the way they play that that system with a three four uh, one two is what they're trying without Antonio. Mm. Is that in that back three, you have two traditional centre backs in. Uh, you know, if you were going to pick their best team, of Bonner and Dawson. Now they're in the team to win the ball, win tackles, etc. And Cresswell, of course, is capable of doing that, but he's a fullback traditionally. So his role within that back three is to get the ball moving on that side of the pitch feed players like Masuaku when he's fit, get the ball into the middle like Noble and, Su- and Suchek or overlap with Masuaku and um, get into those channels and get balls into the box. Now, when you take that guy out of the team, you instantly you and replace him with a more traditional centre-back, which is what they've had to do just in terms of staffing. Um, you know, you then it's like Diop, Ogbonna, Babuena or Dawson, whichever three of those you think is the best to start. You take away the ability for them to basically, it's a bit like rugby, like field position. You know, if, if, if they don't have the ability to actually move through the different systems, then then it means that they're actually under pressure more often um, because they can't get the ball out. And it, it's, it's affected Lingard's output because his shots in the box, big chances, everything, shots on target. Since Cresswell has picked up this injury, he doesn't get the service. Well, let's have a look. I mean, I've got, I've got the last four... Um, stats. This is all players, so we haven't narrowed it down to teams or anything. This is this is all players. Expected goal involvement. Last four, as you can see, Chris Wood right up there, just behind Harry Kane. Um, and then where's Lingard? He's not there. I mean, Lingard yeah, was on this uh, uh, just last week when we were looking at the four before. Lingard was there, but Cresswell, as you were saying, that 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 seems to be the common link. Lingard mm. disappearing off the charts. And um, Masuaku as well. Mm. They, they both got injured at the same time, so yeah. then they were they, they had to put I think Ben Johnson in. Yeah. Um, and, and it just it just completely kills his his output. And the thing is, because there's less going on behind him that gets the ball moving or gets the ball to him, he's had to drop deep to pick up the ball. And then of course he's not in the right positions as well. And it's even worse over the last two matches as well. We've got an article on site at the moment just mm. comparing uh, his previous six with his last two and it's chalk and cheese really the di- the difference but what it really tells me is that Burnley have the ability to go into that game and really put West Ham under a lot of pressure because if they can't get the ball to their attacking players they can't get the ball up the pitch they can't get the ball down the channels they'd usually ask teams questions then it's easier for that opposing team to go in, in the opposite direction and and that's why if you look at the last two matches uh, that's the two matches they've not at Cresswell 
Uh, West Ham have the second worst XGC in the whole league, 4.81. They've played a Chelsea team that generally uh, isn't too attacking. It's very kind of like possession-based mm. and kind of wear the opposition out. And Newcastle, Chelsea and Newcastle okay. basically managed to get West Ham to be the second worst for XGC. Now, we'll have a we'll have a press conference update, obviously, on mm. Cresswell this week. And if Cresswell's back, then arguably, I think that then, yeah, Wood's not as good an option. But if if Cresswell's still out and so is Masuaku, and you you really want to make up some ground, then you could do a heck of a lot worse than going for a differential captaincy of Chris Wood. So oh, there we are. Well, you know, we have <laughs> like, game week 33 as evidence that it can pay off. <laughs> yeah, you'll start, you're talking me into not only keeping Chris Wood, but maybe catching him. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's a good, he's a good option. It, looking, look, looking at this, this table here, it looks like Vardy um, would be the one. If for those like you and me who don't have Kane, um, Vardy making way for Kane actually might make sense um and you notice that Vardy wasn't in the captaincy chat that we we were talking about Leicester but it was Ian Acho we were focusing on um so yeah um last four expected goal involvement looking at some of these other names here looking at some of the other fixtures as well um Pereira uh West Brom is another great differential captaincy shout he is one two three four the fourth best player currently in terms of expected goal involvement behind Kane, Wood and Salah. And he plays Wolves, who, as we know, just conceded four. Um, so, yeah, I think he's I think he's a great option there. Um, you know, there are others as well. Um, Manchester United against Liverpool is going to tempt a lot of people. A lot of people are going to go Salah still. A lot of people are going to go oh, for yeah, Fernandez definitely. still. But... You know, we we're putting the, them in the bottom of the barrel section here. So, I mean, am I right to do that? Have I have I misjudged ed- editorially? Should I've said everyone should captain Fernandez <laughs> no, and Salah? No, no, uh, no, no, no. Or was that nil nil? <laughs> that's yeah, that's a nil nil, isn't it? That's nil nil country yeah. all the time. I mean, anyone who's watched these videos enough will will know that the second that anyone comes to me to ask me how I think Man United will do against this top sixteen, it's a nil nil. It's a nil nil all the time. I mean, you know, the Leeds game, it's not a top six game, but. I mean, you know, Leeds certainly, um, you know, would see themselves one of the yeah. kind of the big teams, you know, historically, they're a big club as well. So there's there, there's a lot kind of on the line there. So I think that backs it up as well. I mean, and, and Leeds are flipping fit as well. Mm. You know, the the, the 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 fitness they've got, I think that is like a top six team. So yeah. that just adds to So I mean, the nil-nils that United have had this year, you know, nil-nil against Leeds, um, you know, they, they beat Man City 2-0, mm. you know, but either way, they kept a clean sheet. So I'm not expecting Liverpool to get much here. Um, but Chelsea, nil-nil. Uh, Arsenal nil nil, Liverpool nil nil, and just Man City nil nil game week twelve, Chelsea get nil nil game week six. Just nah, I I can't see this being anything other than nil nil. So to be honest, if you had if you've got a gun to my head and told me I had to captain anyone from this match, it would probably be Luke Shaw. Yeah, <laughs> and I think so. Um, on the Scoutcast tonight, to timestamp this is we're recording this Tuesday uh, morning, and it should go out on Tuesday lunchtime, hopefully. Um, yeah, on Tuesday night on the on the Scoutcast, I'll, uh, I'll be reeling out my assist imminent table <laughs> and also my goals imminent table. Um, but it was something I put up on Twitter over the weekend as well, looking at attacking defenders. Luke Shaw is now the most likely to get assists uh, out of all defenders at the moment. So he's overtaken Alexander-Arnold and he's a couple of million cheaper. So yeah, Luke Shaw he gets is... gets bonuses. Uh, when they yeah. keep clean sheets, he gets bonuses because of that chance creation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he I think got eight points this week, but yeah. he gets bonus like all the time. Yeah. So 
good player. He's another another good option there. I mean, other other options there. I mean, I've said you know, <laughs> scrape the barrel really with Manchester United and, and Liverpool. I mean, I I guess Mason Greenwood if you wanted to go Manchester United once again we're sort of banging his drum there. I think he's he's a he's a good option if you wanted to go down the Manchester United route. But I think there Ian Acho is showing uh, his class there. Harry Kane and of course Chris Wood. Um, but my 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 tip would be uh, Pereira against Wolves for if you want to go really different. If you if Chris Wood's just too mainstream, you know this is the way you should go. Um, but in the meantime, anyone else you wanted to add, or have we we scraped the barrel no, with Manchester United? I don't think so. Yeah, the games we've not looked at, I think, are Brighton, Leeds. Uh, I mean, that could be a nil nil. Everton, Aston yeah. Villa. You never know what you're going to get with either of those teams. Newcastle, Arsenal. Could there be a case to be made for Allenson Maximan if we really want to Should scrape that by Joe Ellington this week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Callum Wilson, I think, will start this week, and yeah. uh, he 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 will have a point to prove, won't he? And yeah. uh, he could get something. But either way, you never really know what you're going to get with Newcastle or Arsenal, really. So from those games, we've not really gone into in, in any detail. There's a reason for it, you know. Yeah. There's there's not reliable form on either side of the ball, really. Yeah. So yeah, um, I think we stick with stick with our. Our big three, Kaney and Atcho and Wood. They're the yeah, three I'm, I'm yeah they are. Um, uh, just to remind everyone that all the stats that we've got, all from the members area at Fantasy Football Scout, go do have a delve in there. Um, lots of options to, to sign up and there's lots of Opta-powered stats to go for there. Um, also, do press the like button if you've enjoyed this video uh, or podcast and do remember to subscribe to keep up to date with our latest videos and podcasts wherever you receive them. Uh, but in the meantime, David... Um, thanks so much for joining me and good luck with your decision to captain Chris Wood. <laughs> Same to you as well, Jay.